build your own funnel. We're gonna show you how. Hello all and welcome to Build Your Own Funnel, the podcast where we inbound marketers teach you remodelers how to build your own inbound marketing and sales funnel. On this podcast, we are never shy about diving into the weeds and giving concrete examples on campaigns that we have seen and run that have worked, boosting sales for remodelers like yourself. I'm your co-host, Malachi Price, Builder Funnel's inbound marketing consultant. I am not joined by Danny today. She is busy at a conference currently, but I am also joined by our junior marketing consultant and DJ Matt Ehrlich. And today we have a special guest, Andy Parody. Andy Parody, who are you? Um, what do you do? What are you talking about to us today? Hello. Well, you kind of covered it. I'm Andy Parody, and um, I am the designer here at Builder Funnel. And today we're going to be talking about the UX UI audits we do for our clients when they go into a blueprint. And <laughs> my cat is in her crinkly tunnel, if you can hear that, everyone. Um, I wish I could. Mm -mm. And then you just look like a crazy person. We don't hear anything. It's wildly nice. distracting. And then we are going to talk about our foundation website template, which can help your website fight the issues and correct the issues that our team finds in the UX UI audit. The second thing is a different episode. Um, I don't make the rules. Bruh. Right. Uh, but you do follow the rules. This is my podcast. Andy, how about you share your screen and we just look directly at an audit together? Start from the top. Sure. All right. So, as a quick overview, if you are familiar with getting a remodeler marketing blueprint, you've seen in the middle of your document something called a website UX, UI, and design audit. And the whole point of this is to audit your overall website design and then your user experience and your user interface. So basically, is your website easy to use? Can users find the information that they're looking for? And then also, can they find the information that they're looking for in the shortest amount of time? Is it clear, concise? And then after that, is it laid out nice? Is it visually appealing? Does it match your company's overall brand, et cetera? So all of these things um are super important not only for just overall design and showcasing who your company is right off the bat but also for things like seo because um oversized images can affect your page load speed and then page load speed could affect your website performance so it's not just about making things look pretty it's also about making sure that your website is operating well on the back end so that you don't have issues and you don't start to get red flags from Google um, because your website isn't working properly. Can you give us an overview? We're looking at it right now, but our listeners obviously can't see it. What are the specific points, there's six of them, that we address in these audits? Sure. So we first run through overall design. That's kind of just the overarching, does it look nice? Are the brand colors cohesive? Um, is it up to modern day website design best practices? Is it a little outdated? Um, and then next we just run through colors, which is just, is everything in line with your brand? Is it, does it meet accessibility standards? Because it's not just about having brand colors and pasting them all over your website. You also have to make sure that the color contrast 
meets um, AA web accessibility standards. So that's, I feel like something that a lot of people don't think about, um, but it's super important. And then we run through typography, your fonts, your heading structures, your font size. Again, font size is something that you need to do to keep up with accessibility standards and your website can get red flagged if it doesn't. Then we run through navigation, your navigation menu and your page structure. We look at your images and videos. We audit your CTAs. We run through your forms and then we check it out from a mobile view um, various different phones, what it looks like on an iPhone, an Android, a tablet, et cetera, to make sure that your website is responsive. All right, perfect. You want to take us from the top and go more in depth? Sure. So the first one, overall design, this is where I'm just clicking through maybe not every single page of a website, but the main pages. I'm looking at your homepage, your service pages, about, process, your contact page, just making sure that everything is, it looks nice. It draws the eyes to the right place. Um, sometimes we'll use this heat mapping technology to make sure that the way your site is designed is bringing users eyes to the right spots. Um, and that's super cool. Cause you always want them, people read from left to right. And then they also tend to read in an F shape. So they tend to like view the left side of the page and then go to the top and then jump down to kind of like the middle. So making sure that websites are aligned with oh. that. Yeah, it's it's I it's didn't know that. That's super cool. Heat mapping's really cool. Um the way that our eyes we don't really take in we don't read things from like top to bottom, left to right. It's kind of like our eyes jump around and when you're looking at a website, you want to make sure that you build and design your site to make sure that you're drawing the eyes to the right type of information. So something I'll look at, for example, on that topic and overall design is if you have a big hero image on your homepage and you have an H1 text in there that says like Adirondack design builder, people are going to look at that because it's the largest portion of the site that they can see right now it's full width it's big text it's an h1 and if that isn't saying the right thing like the example that i just use is something that you would want to use but if you it just said like whole home remodeling that's relevant but it's not the best choice of words to use or if it just said like do you need a new kitchen um so things like you just want to make sure that you're being strategic with not only the way that your website looks, but the information in which you are placing within the design of your website. So overall design, I'm looking at, it's over, it aligns with your brand. Everything is consistent. If you're using icons um, to call out certain bits of information that the icons aren't too big or too small to make sure that they're all from the same icon set so that you're not using different types of design across your website. Um, I'm making sure that if things are interactive, like hover effects, when people hover over a button, if it changes a different color to make sure that that's consistent, make sure they're working. And then we um, drop down into colors. So this one's a bit more straightforward. A lot of sites now have a lot of white space, which is what we recommend. That's a best practice. So making sure that there's enough white space, making sure it's not um, the colors don't clash, plugging it into an accessibility checker, making sure that you don't have a 
white font on too light of a gray background because folks with um, some visual impairments wouldn't be able to see that. And that brings your uh, website status not up to snuff with Google's accessibility standards or any search engine's accessibility standards. Um, next up, when we when I'm auditing for typography, I'm making sure that it one looks nice, which that term is, of course, objective, but there are certain best practices that we like to follow. So making sure that it's not a highly cursive font that is kind of hard to read within like the split second that you see it. Um, yeah. Making sure that you have H1s, H2, H3s on your page, and they're all used in like a hierarchical manner and making sure that they make sense. Um, pulling it up on a phone or using the Google inspect to view what it looks like on different types of a desktop, a mobile, a whatever, to make sure that you can read your text when it's on a smaller screen, like a phone. Um, and then another super important part of typography is every single piece of written text on your website should be at least 16 pixels in size to make sure that it meets accessibility standards. Um, so that I feel like is one of the most common ones that as I'm auditing different websites, that's one that always very often gets left unchecked. Usually it's like 14, 15, and it won't look any different turning it up to 16 and it'll just help you accessibility wise. And then <clears throat> we kind of move on to your nav menu. Uh, this is another one that I feel like I give the probably most amount of feedback on best practice is to have seven or less options in your navigation menu because one of the biggest rules of UX is to give people the information they're looking for in the shortest amount of time. You don't want people to have to spend three minutes on your website just trying to figure out how the heck to get in touch with you, how to view your service pages. So you want to keep that nav menu short and sweet and to the point. And you also want to put it in an order of like importance. So if you're, think about it, if you're a homeowner and you go to Joe Remodeler's website, the first thing you want to know is if they perform the service that you're looking for. So I always suggest putting services first. And then the next thing they might want to know is your process because they want to know what it's going to be like working with you. Does it seem like it's going to fit their lifestyle? And then next, I'll probably suggest the portfolio or a gallery because the next thing they're going to be thinking is like, okay, they do my service. I understand what it's going to be like to work with them. Now I want to see examples of what they've done in the past before I take the time to reach out. Um, and then usually I suggest throwing in like about us, a your link to your blog if you have it, and then a contact us button. And that really seems to be the order that I usually go in. And if there are other things in your nav menu that don't, fit in that category, I will usually try to figure out how to put it into like a drop down menu so it's not clogging up your navigation. Or combine them with other ones, right? Right. I know the most common one I see is when people have like five different about pages. It's mm -hmm. like you have our team, who we are, our story, etc. Hey, Those can be one page. Thanks, Matt. That's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it. It can be one page and I feel like maybe in the, not like the early days of the internet, but maybe within the last five to 10 years, there was this thought that you had to just 
have so many separate pages on your website and it was, I feel like people were thinking about just trying to put the most amount of information and making all of these separate web pages. And now, I mean, both on our, I know we do it on our strategy side as well. And I do it on the design side is just combining that information. Your website does not have to be 157 pages large. It should be super simple. And the most important parts are going to be telling people what you do, how you do it, a little bit about who you are, and then giving them the option to contact you. You should ideally have one of those websites where you just scroll down and there's no pages at all. Yeah, those are... Those are great. I love those. Just give me everything I need to know. And you could even have on the side the little menu where if you tab it, it'll bring you down to that thing. I don't need to go through pages. Just let me see it on one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so after I give those suggestions, then I'm checking out images and videos. So something that we recommend um, that's really good for SEO is reducing and optimizing your images. So for accessibility, again, which is super important. So it it just keeps getting brought up. Things like meta descriptions um, or alt text, apologies. Alt text on images is really important because if someone with a visual impairment is using a screen reader and they're trying to view your website, they might not be able to clearly see the picture and they're going to utilize the alt text to understand what that is an image of. So Mm. another thing to keep in mind with alt text is it's not just a beautiful kitchen by Piper Design Build. It should be a modern farmhouse kitchen with a white sink and marble countertop because that's what's going to help folks at least if you have it you have it um it's better to have something than nothing in this case but really try and think of it as really describing the photo to someone who can't clearly see it because that is what the entire point of an accessibility standard is and so i really try to look for that try to look for file sizes i know i still believe correct me strategy team but we try to recommend about 100 kb in size Mm -hmm. when possible yeah and i always put in the audit i usually add a caveat that folks with high quality professional imagery it can be really hard to get something from like three megabytes down to 100 kilobytes without losing some image quality but i just we i just tell people that we recommend trying to optimize and reduce the file size as much as you can without losing that quality. If it's like at 500, I'm not going to dock people for that. Um, Or like 300, I wouldn't dock people for. But if it was 500, I would suggest trying to just get it a little bit lower if you have a lot of imagery on your site, because that can really start to make it load slow. It creates a bad user experience. It can increase your bounce rate because people are just going to give up and they're going to go to the next option that Google gave them. What's the bounce rate? About, like when people bounce from your site, they just leave. Right. I mean, I, I I know what it is. I just, our listeners might not necessarily, so. Oh, well, you can, okay. Dive more into that if I didn't give an accurate description. No, um, that's accurate. We can quick go Quick aside, the base, what you're just talking about with images, some of the image compressors that I've used if you throw them in there and then don't specify how much you want to reduce it by, they auto, I think they auto reduce it based on about how small they can get it without 
like compressing the quality. So in mm -hmm. some scenarios, you'll see like 86% reduction. And then in some, for like really big images, you'll see like big numbers. And then for some that are already like 800 kilobytes, it'll just auto do it. And it'll be like, oh, it's like 600 now in which don't try to go lower than that. Cause I've tried. And then you get crusty JPEGs that are like when you blow them up, especially for foundations, they're like in, like you can't tell what's going on. They're incomprehensible. Yeah, they've gotten a lot smarter, which I'm really glad for, because when I first started working at Builder Funnel, it was just like they would compress every image by the same amount, and usually they look terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's much better now. Yeah, sweet. And then after I look at the size, um, I'm also, again, kind of going back to this overall design concept, making sure that the images are relevant, that we have for on it seems like a no-brainer, but if you're on a kitchen page, please just have pictures of your kitchens. Um, if you're on a bathroom page, please only post pictures of your bathrooms. And then also making sure that they fit the content. So a lot of websites are built with what we call modules. So it's not just like one long, never-ending page. There's like different sections of your page in which we on the back end are building your website with. And let's say we have an image module that is full width it's the whole width of your screen if the image isn't large enough to fit that module it's going to be stretched it can be blurry it can be pixelated and so we don't want that so i'm looking to make sure that the images fit where they're placed making sure they're relevant another thing with videos if you have videos on your site which is highly suggested but please keep in mind that you need to make sure that they don't autoplay and that there's the option to be stopped paused or muted so this isn't myspace <laughs> that's another <laughs> i wish that's another um accessibility standard that we really want to adhere to nothing is more annoying than when you go to a website and you just start hearing music or spoken word blasting from your speakers and you don't even know where it's coming from because it's like mm -hmm. right down on the home page and you have no <laughs> idea how to get rid of it yeah don't be that guy just don't do it don't um, and then on kind of similar to that thought, um, this is kind of a different one. Content doesn't blink or flash more than three times per second. Another accessibility thing. Um, so if you have, I don't know, like a, a module that flashes between photos or an automatic photo slider, just make sure that you're giving people's eyes enough time to adjust and it's not going to bring someone into a seizure because that would not be good oh my god wait is that the actual reason for that standard well it's in i know that it's part of accessibility so if i had to take a gander it probably has something to do with that hmm. show me one that does have it and if i have a seizure we know that that's definitely nobody fact what if me that's how that? we end the episode with the three <laughs> of us just let's move on actually we anyway let's... moving on so up next, we've got CTAs. We do a quick audit to make sure that you have CTAs on your page, which is highly recommended. It's how we keep people on your site, keep them. But not only that, not only making sure that they exist and that they're there, but making sure that they're one, relevant to the content, and two, as you move through the website journey, making sure that it is leading people down a sales funnel. So if I'm on your homepage, for example, I'll click one of the CTAs, Let's say it brings me to a service page. Now I'm on a service page. The next CTA that I want to see is going to be either to like a 
portfolio or the process page or a downloadable resource so you can capture that lead and try and make, um, you know, commu communicate with them as a possible client. So I don't want to see, like, I click something from the homepage, it brings me to a service page, and then the CTA from there is just to, like, I don't know, uh, back to your homepage or to an irrelevant piece of content that's still top of funnel. We want to see that you're, like, moving people down your site. Um, something else we'll look at is buttons. Um, I think we... I think this is covered elsewhere in there. It's in mobile responsiveness, but still buttons need to be large enough to click. Um, it seems really simple, but a lot of times when I'm auditing a website, I'll see like little tiny buttons or little tiny X's in the corner to close something out. I have to be at least big enough for someone to be able to know where it is without having to look too hard. And then we'll just make sure that link text is clear. I don't really like Personally, I suggest if I see a button that's going to a contact us page, um, I don't really like vague verbiage. Um, mm -hmm. And again, this is subjective. It's okay if people do this. But for example, my personal favorite isn't um, like get started. Because to me, thinking about user experience, it's like get started with what? Get started with who? What am I? What am I? Are we going to take a quiz? Are we like going on a adventure i want to see ones i try to suggest from my personal experience i try to say like talk to our team um or like get started with us or get start something that isn't vague because it all goes back again just repeating that ux is all about getting people to where they want to go in the shortest amount of time removing all of the guesswork making it so clear, just assume that anyone going to your page has never been on the internet before. And this is the first website they're ever seeing. And you want to just lay it out so clearly for them. Yeah, we've actually found, um, you can look this up too. The the best converting uh, CTAs in terms of the copy that you use are generally the most boring ones. Like, get started i would say is even a little bit too much most of the time like i would prefer just contact us or call yeah. us or that sort of thing um back when i was a specialist and i spent a lot of my time making emails i remember my strategist at the time gave me a challenge of like can you can you look up you know what are the best converting ctas to use for emails by the way whatever CTAs and emails, they have basically the same principles as on your website. So this applies. Um, and uh, look at our past emails and come up with like what is generally the best CTA. And I found that for a blog, for example, the best CTA in terms of how well it performed was read more. And at the time we were like, wow, that is super boring. But it was also kind of a relief because when it comes to CTAs, if you're thinking too hard about it, you're probably doing it wrong. Just come up with whatever the most simple thing is. Mm -hmm. Yep. <clears throat> Agreed. And I like one of my favorites to use in emails, but like you said, it could be relevant to websites. When we're talking about projects, which are super important, visual photography to give folks an idea of what it's going to be like working with you, the product that you can deliver. Um, if you offer project spotlights, I've seen that um, I personally love step inside with like a little arrow because it 
it works really well. I only have one client anymore, but it works really well for us because it kind of gives that it's not just like learn more or read more, which perform really well. But I feel like for a project spotlight, it's letting people know like, oh, I'm going to get like we're going to get details. I'm going to get like literally step into this home. Um, it's just a tidbit for the people out there. Andy, you only have one retainer client, but you have like a million clients. Yeah, true, true. I should, yeah. Thank I you. I want to make sure the listeners know that you're actually kind of an expert and not just some person we keep on staff. They that only works give me one, one client. freaking client. She's struggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep her oh. around because she's, you know, she's a culture hire. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So forms, forms. Uh, you really only need on landing pages and your contact us page. Um, I'm willing strategy team to have combating opinions, but I will say from a UX perspective, if I'm auditing your site and you've got forms on every single page, like right below your footer, I'm telling you to get them the heck out of there and just people know. Don't we have had, them. We had the <laughs> <laughs> People, and here's the conflicting thing sometimes about UX, UI, or website design. When you're strategically designing, like I said a little bit ago, you do want to design and display your information as if no, this user has never seen a website before. But also, <laughs> the other side of that is that people have seen websites before. People know what to expect. They know that if they click the logo in the top left of your page, it's going to bring them to the home page. Mm -hmm. And they know that in the top right of your page, they're gonna find your contact information. So that's why you don't need all of this unnecessary things scattered throughout every page of your site, because even though you want to design to be so simple and so straightforward, people know the internet, they know websites. And the one thing, one of the big no-nos in UX is trying to like switch it up and make your website different. You, you don't really want to have that unique of a website. You want it to be mm -hmm. unique in terms of information and photography and visuals, but structurally you don't want to put like your nav menu. If you have one of those, like the hamburger menu that pops out, you don't want to put that on the left-hand side. People know that they always go on the right, keep it on the right and things like that. You don't want to try and like have this pizzazzy website because it just confuses people. Um, so anyway, back to forms, uh, I'll look to make sure that they are concise and logical with the exception of strategically, I know that we prefer more pre-qualifying forms. Like we prefer, I, I feel as though it's easier and better for our clients' sales teams or sales people to get PPL. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you sound like andy and that's why we pay matt the big bucks um <laughs> so you want to i prefer to see people getting more than just like name zip code email um I think it's much more helpful after working with clients for the last three years to at least get a little bit more information. It's totally up to the client though. Um, some people don't want it. I feel as though some people get to a certain point where they're like, okay, we've got, we, we have, there, I don't think there's really 
such thing as too many leads coming through, but maybe we have too many unqualified leads coming through. And that's when you might want to edit your forms to be a little more pre-qualifying. So I'm looking for that. Is it too simple? Is it too complicated? You also don't want it to take 10 minutes for someone to fill out a form because they're going to get the heck out of there unless they really know you. But if they're just finding you on organic search, they might not know you. And if I had to sit there and fill out a form for 10 minutes, I'd probably, I'd probably get bored and forget that I was doing it. Um, we want to make sure that your submit button, easy to understand. It seems wild, but not every form that I've ever audited has had the word like submit as the button. So please just make sure we're doing that. We want What them... are other ones you've seen? I feel like some of them have said, okay. Some of them say, continue. <laughs> and so it's those words like, okay, I guess, whatever. People see a button, they kind of know how to click it, but you have to think of all different types of users, folks who, you know, might not be as tech savvy, like the, an older generation. I think of if my, like, just, I don't know, even maybe my dad, sorry, dad, shout out dad. Um, You know, if he, <laughs> If you were filling out a form and then it said continue instead of submit or complete, at least, um, you might be like, continue to what? What do mm -hmm. I have to do more? So I would love to see one that's just, yup, exclamation <laughs> point. Okay. <laughs> you okay. Um, and then just making sure there's, uh, we, we really encourage placeholder text. I don't really dock people for that. Um, but it's super, it's helpful. The asterisks are helpful because if someone fills out a form and then they try to hit the submit button and they get a big red error message and they're like, oops, sorry, you can't, but they have no idea which part of the form they missed. If you mm -hmm. have a long form, that just creates user frustration. So make sure that we have all of that. And then last but not least is mobile responsiveness. So I will do two things. I'll pull the website up on my actual phone and then I will use um, Google Chrome's inspection tool, which pulls up all of the backend coding of your site. And it also lets you view the website from various different mobile devices, tablets, phones, et cetera, and make sure that it's, it's responsive. Your navigation is easy to use. Um, a lot of times navigation menus when viewed on mobile work, will turn into that pop-up menu that you have to click the three little lines in the corners, making sure that that's big enough to click, making sure that the X to close out of it is big enough to click, um, making sure that your site, if you have, let's say when you're viewing it on a desktop, if it is a gallery of like four photos stacked two by two, a lot of the times when you view it on a phone, it will then make those just one, 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 and one right underneath each other and what that does is just causes unnecessary scrolling the photos are usually really big they take up a lot of width and it's just an obnoxious experience so we just want to make sure that your mobile is kind of a more condensed optimized but still conveying the same information as your normal website um yeah and we still want to make sure that the font is at least 16 on a mobile device so that's again important. And then just making sure that nothing's distracting, making sure that you've got enough white space, especially on a phone, because it's such a smaller viewing screen that you don't need a lot of clutter. You don't want, you don't need like colored and patterned backgrounds. You just want it to look nice.
There it is. There it is. How long does that go on? I think it's like one of the longest sound effects I have. It's like a minute long. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit, and then, Andy, I'm going to have you wrap up the episode with one final question. I hope you're ready for that. But basically, um, I have a couple proposed next steps for the people who are listening to this. Um, One option, if you feel like your website isn't perfect, which, spoiler alert, it definitely isn't, um, option one is you can freeload off of us, which is the intent behind this podcast, actually, it's okay, and you can re-listen to this podcast and just use Andy as kind of your guide going through step-by-step and looking for these things on your website so you know what you need to fix. Um, Another potential option is to work on the blueprint with us, which includes not just the web design audits that Andy described here, but also a full audit of your entire online presence, as well as uh, recommendations we give for a whole year of strategy in order to fix those things and to grow your traffic and your leads and your conversions. And then finally, a new thing that we have that's really exciting is the foundation, which is Instead of even worrying about what's wrong with your current website, we can just start from scratch and give you a brand new website that works perfectly. And Andy and Caitlin uh, are the ones who created that website. It's beautiful. It converts really well. Um, And we have some case studies on our website that'll show you more about that as well. But Andy, I do have a final question for you, maybe a more fun one, but what, what are the most common and maybe most frustrating mistakes that you see during these audits? I think it's kind of hard to explain, but the most frustrating thing or common thing or easiest fix is websites that are just on a template that is just a little bit outdated. It's, if you can visualize this with me, folks at home, you're on a website, you're, Looking at a computer. Wait, Matt, do like a little like dreamy sound effect or something. Um, Andy, say visualize this again. Visually here. That's creepy. That's not what I was going for. I was thinking more like I'm gonna like like ascending chimes. No. No, these are awful. (laughs) Really lost your touch today. Anyway, you're looking at your computer screen. It's widescreen so many outdated templates i feel like it's very common for people when they first create their website to get their website built get their website designed and then they never think about it ever again and all of a sudden it's like five seven ten god forbid 15 years later and it looks exactly the same as it did when you first launched it and it's very common for sites from kind of a while back to be designed in the middle So it's like you're looking at a wide screen, but all of the information, all of the photos are just in the middle and there's like huge amounts of white space or like even worse, a colored background or like a patterned background Mm. taking up like three inches of either side of the screen. And that's just, it was okay back in the day. That's what a lot of websites looked like. It was a common practice. But now it's not. We have wide screens. We have bigger screens. People use second monitors that are 27 inches. And there's no reason to not maximize that space. And 
convey the information and convey your photography. So I would say my the most common piece of advice that I give in these audits is to just get rid of that centered layout and make everything widescreen, make everything, give the people what they want, big, beautiful photos, lots of information, easy to read because it's not all clumped together and you don't have to scroll for five minutes to read four paragraphs. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd say that's the biggest one, that and just the misuse of color. We don't need to use a lot of color. White space is your friend. Your color, your brand color should really just be like accent colors or for header text. Mm -hmm. And for hyperlinks, ideally use the darker color. You know, yes. if one of your colors is yellow, maybe don't use that in your text. Yeah, please don't, because then you'll fail the accessibility audit. Right. Nice shot. Unless you have a bat, a black background on your website. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> We're not <laughs> black background, white font. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Andy. That was very informative. Uh, Matt, you want to cue the music? Well, thank you all. Just to reiterate, uh, next steps here, give it a go yourself. Look at uh, maybe the things that your website would fail in Andy's audit and consider if you want to do it the easier, faster way, the way that we know works. Hit us up, uh, do a blueprint with us or a foundation and yeah, perfect your website. Um, all right, well, why don't we just jump right into it? It. <laughs> I was like, I know having this sound on the soundboard is going to lead to me accidentally clicking it at some point. It's fine, guys. Just I'll cut this part 